Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Informed Catholic Podcast. My name is Ned Jabbar, so let's begin with a prayer, please. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The Apostles' Creed, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord who, by the Holy Ghost, was conceived, born of the Virgin Mary, raised, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he arose again from the dead, and he ascended unto heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come again to, in glory to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. St. Joseph, Guardian of the Holy Church, pray for us. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. And St. Michael the Archangel, defend us from evil. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. So, uh, let's begin uh, our scripture passage. Uh, it's going to be from St. Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 16, starting from verse 24, the cross and self-denial. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Or what shall a man give in return for his life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay every man for what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Gospel of the Lord, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, um, I'm still going to continue with the, Are We in the End Times? And um, let's look at this as part two. Um, there's so many, um, there's so much material, uh, I came across this week, new material, crazy stuff, um, that's, that's really needs to be looked at. And one of the interesting thing is, is that here's a, here's something that actually made its way to the front. It's an article from, uh, LifeSite News. Uh, the, uh, reporter in this is. Uh, Micah Hickson, and the uh, the bishop. This is a German bishop from the German Bishops Conference. Uh, Christ became human, a human being, not a man. This is crazy. I I never. I mean, this bishop actually went on the podium on stage. Uh, his name is Bishop Franz Joseph Bode or Bode. Vice President of the German Bishops Conference. Um, the article is from Friday, February 7th, 2020. And 
it's it's really unbelievable. It's really unbelievable that he would say that. We we believe in what's called the hypostatic union. Uh, this is a, a a doctrine, a dogma of the church, something that has we all have to believe, that every Christian has to believe. But most Christians play with it too much. Uh, I saw a trailer for a movie called The Temptation of Christ, and I don't know um, who put the movie together, but it's dealing with Jesus in the desert uh, being uh, tempted by Satan. And a, a trailer kind of shows a Jesus sort of like suffering and agonizing. If you notice, um, the Gospel of Matthew, the, goth, the Gospel of Luke, doesn't go into too much detail. They, they give you the same, um, uh, the same temptations. Uh, Ma- I think Luke kind of reverses uh, one of the two, but it's the same three. You know, uh, temptation to turn stone into bread, uh, to... Th- the temptation to cast yourself down from from the temple and uh, the temptation uh, to, to um, the devil will offer the whole world to Jesus if he would bow down and worship him. Now, Luke reverses it, but that's probably because he got his he got the material from another source, but it's still the same tradition, the the same tradition. It's just, you know, he reversed it a little bit, which is no big deal. It didn't conflict. Now, the problem here is we're dealing with a heresy, an obvious heresy that's very dangerous. The German bishops are pushing very hard. They're very powerful. They feel very strong. Remember, we'll be talked about in a couple of podcasts ago. They are loaded with money. It turns out they actually even get the tax money from non-Catholics. That means if you're a Muslim or an Orthodox Christian and you don't go to a a Catholic church in Germany or you're a Jew, you're probably still paying the same tax. And if you're an atheist, you're still probably still paying the same tax unless you tell the government you don't want your your money to be uh, given to to the church. But they got so much money. They got more money than the Vatican and they have a hold on Pope Francis. I saw an interview, uh, a YouTube interview on LifeSite News, which is based on the same article here. Um, John Henry Weston interviewing a young man um, who was originally from Germany and knows a lot about Germany. And it's really, they're really pushing. They're pushing for changing the, the morality of the church on sex. They want to push for German priests they want to push for possibly married priests. They want to push for gay, openly gay priests. They want to push also for um, gay marriage. They want to push for a lot of things. And they're, they really are going way out, way out. And in the, the point where I think it's going to be a schism, the schism, I believe very strongly it's going to happen in Germany. They are engrossed in modernism. They want to change the very nature of the church. They want to change the very theology of the church. They want to change the very philosophy of the church. They're pushing really hard. And this is really very serious because who knows who, who will take which side? 
and I think this is something Pope Francis is really gonna is gonna find out. He's you know he's gonna find himself in a pickle of a situation, a very tight spot, and this is gonna be all on him because he really he he he's not pulling the the German bishops back in line. Now either he wants this, or he he doesn't know what he's doing. And I'm gonna be very honest. I'm finding it very hard to like Pope Francis. He's difficult to like. I pray for him. And I don't like him. I don't like the man. It's not a sin not to like somebody. I don't hate him. I feel pity for him. I want him to do the right thing. I want him to be successful. I want him to have a successful pontificate. And... Unfortunately, he is, um, he's a Marxist. He admits it. I think he admits it in a silent way. I was watching an interview uh, with Bernie Sanders and Bernie Sanders believes he's a, he's, a, he's a communist. He's a Marxist about Pope Francis. This is coming from a man who's Jewish, who doesn't even practice Judaism. And at the same time, there is um, Jeffrey Sachs. There's an article from um, the Catholic Registrar um, I believe, and it's owned by, I believe, uh, EWTN. And Jeffrey Sachs is at the Vatican twice a month. He's very big on population control. He's very big on, on, on the environment. He's very big on global government. And this is a man at the Vatican. And... (laughs) You know, the, one of the, the, the article, I, he, he, he makes a quote, something that Jesus said that wasn't in the gospel. I mean, he gets the words wrong. He doesn't even, you know, I mean, this is a guy that goes to the Vatican every day. And I, I'll be honest with you, I would make sure I would get my gospels uh, correctly. But he is a George Soros disciple. You know, uh, Jeffrey Sachs is on the same corner with George Soros. George Soros himself, who happens to be of Hungarian Jewish background, an atheist, and a man is very big on globalism. I mean, I don't know if these men are part of secret societies or whatever, but that's that's really not important. A lot of people suspect that they are, but we have no evidence of it. But the point is, these men are are have their hold. They have a grip. On the Vatican. Now, there's an un- another interesting thing. This is February 11th, Tuesday, February 11th, and this is also the feast of Our Lady of Lourdes, uh, where the Virgin Mary appeared to Saint Bernadette Soubirous in France, Lourdes, France. Also, on this particular day, February 11th, seven years ago, Pope Benedict the 16th resigned from the papacy. And lightning struck uh, the top of St. Peter that very evening, which a lot of people believe is a sign from God. Take it as uh, whatever you will, but I'm going to believe that it has some um, strong, ominous meaning to it. We haven't been the same. The church has been in a spiral. Pope Benedict himself has uh, the man has been in the front lines um, 
right next to John Paul II. He was John Paul's Rottweiler. Everybody called Benedict uh, the time when he was Ratzinger the, the, the Rottweiler, John Paul's Rottweiler, because he kept the wolves away. He was John Paul II's eyes and ears. He, he hunted down uh, heretic, heretics. He, um, he went after troublesome people like Marcial Marcial uh, of the Legionnaires of Christ, who was a sexual deviant. He knew about McCarrick. He knew, a lot of people would tell you, he knows where all the bodies are. He knows everyone's secrets. Now, you look at him seven years later. He's very fragile. He's an old man. Uh, they say he's blind in one eye. He's, you know, he's not the same. He's not the strong. He wasn't as strong as he was, obviously, old age. He's, and he just recently went through a, a controversy. If you're not familiar what happened, he, he put out a book with Cardinal Sira, uh, which was about, um, it's called From the Depths of Our Heart. The title of it is being published in French first. And it drove everybody in the Vatican into a free fall, which was because the book talks about celibacy. And it came out uh, right before, I mean, uh, Francis is supposed to put out his decision on the Amazonian Synod, which is supposed to be sometime this week, maybe next week. We don't know. But it was about celibacy, the priesthood. Some believe that Francis might allow an Amazonian rite where for some reason there's no there's no shortage of priests in South America. I looked it up. They actually say they're doing pretty well. Um, even despite the fact of sexual abuse cases. It's really uh, troublesome. But why this is all happening? But because, again, the German bishops have put their money out they have invested in the Amazonian Synod. They want to a decision to be made not very obvious from where they are. They want to do it from a faraway region and use the other faraway region as a ploy, as a distraction. If you can make a decision on changing the Catholic Church but do it far away from a remote region in South America, which... I believe, honestly, they look down at that kind of world, that part of the world. They themselves can make a decision here. In the, I mean, that is in their country. And then this decision can be made all over the world. That's... That, no, that no, that's what a lot of people believe. This is why they they invested so much in the Amazonian Synod. They're using it as an excuse for... Um, you know, a disguise, a camouflage to make their choice. They don't want anybody to look at them and attack them and say, oh, you guys are the ones. Well, it is their money. They've invested in it. They invested in the whole thing. They pushed for it. And, you know, they're, 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 they're really modernism. Everything came from Germany. The same way like Martin Luther the heretic who pushed for the revolution of the of the uh, the Protest the Protestantism, it all started with him, and a lot of people say that um, the um, liberation theology, which infected the Jesuits, all came 
from Germany. So there's a lot. There's a lot going on. I thought for some reason for many years that liberation theology came from France, but turns, lo and behold, you see you learn something new. It came from Germany. And Pope Francis, when he uh, as a priest, studied in Germany, studied there for a while. So he has connections, which is which explains it. Then the Saint Gallen Mafia, the uh, the meeting in Saint Gallen, Switzerland, which was called the Saint Gallen Mafia as a joke, they all met in Germany. They 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 met there several times. One how to get rid of Benedict, and two how to put Bogolio in the papacy. They chose a man from South America, not from Germany. They chose a man from South America, which, you know. It, you know, it makes sense. It makes sense in many cases. It shows you who the players are and where the problems are. So uh, we're going to begin the article, and I'll get back in a few minutes. All right, so let's begin the article. February 7th, 2020, LifeSite News. Uh, German Bishop Conference, Christ Became Human, Not a Man. This article is written by Maika... Make a Hickson. Uh, for us, Christ became a human being, not a man, according to Bishop Franz Joseph Bode of Osenbrook, the vice president of the German Bishops' Conference, the head of the Synodal Path Discussion Forum on Women. Bode made these comments, which are now causing a stir internationally in a controversial February 5th interview to the diocesan newspaper Kirschenboot, forgive me for my German. The collaboration between women and men, he explains, is one of the most important signs of the times. Bode makes these comments in the context of the debates of the Synodal Path discussion forum, women in ministries and offices of the church, which he, together with the theologian Professor Dorothy Settler, heads. These two leaders also headed the Proprietary Forum, which issued a preparatory document even before the Synodal Path officially started, its first assembly at the end of January 2020. A human being is either a man, male, or woman, female. To deny that Jesus became a man, male, is heretical. On Twitter, the German Synodal Way is a fraudulent usurpation of the Church's teaching authority, as this is co- uh, this comment shows. This is uh, this comment on Twitter by Gerald Murray, who tweeted this on Twitter. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, the response here by someone called Ed- Oh Edward Penton. He was on that last article that I did was on the um, uh, about Pope Francis by the Yale professor uh, Erie, uh, who who came at uh, the Cuban professor, uh, the one who of Cuban descent, uh, Bode, head of a synodal path forum on women and deputy president of the German Bishops Conference, says Christ became a human being, not a man. Also backs ordination of married men, saying they would exercise their ministry part-time, celibate priests full-time. Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas, also weighed in, tweeting 
treating Bishop Bode, I respectfully call you as one bishop to another to return to the truth of the deposit of faith for your salvation and for the good of the church. Your statement that Christ became a human being, but not a man, is a ridiculous and heretical. I cannot stand by in silence. Good for him. Okay? Good for him. Okay, and here's another tweet from him. On this Lord's Day, it is appropriate to offer deposit of faith. Catholics believe that Jesus Christ is God's divine Son, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, fully God and fully man. All power in heaven and earth has been given to him by the Father. Jesus Christ is Lord. Good for him. Bode's collaborator, Professor Settler, already said something similar about Jesus Christ in September 2019 when she stated, God could have also become a human being as a woman. Theologically, this would have been possible, but 2,000 years ago, she added, it was wise from God in the light of the cultural condition than to become a human being as a man. She further expounded that in the theology... It was always about God's incarnation, not about his becoming a man. The question of gender, Settler explained, has no relevance with regard to the theology of redemption. She's taking the whole thing and she's twisting it to her to her theological view. She's truly she's using a she's trying to argue that it was because culturally. You know, you could see this is all just to get a hold of the priesthood. To get a hold of the Catholic priesthood, they have to bring the Catholic priesthood down. They did that with the Church of England. And then you had a whole bunch of crazy priestesses now going around doing whatever they want to do. They're practically flying around in broomsticks now. All right, so um, all these arguments seem to be an attempt and undermining the church's de- definitive teaching that women are excluded from the sacrament holy orders. In his new February 5th interview, Bode also says that the Synodal Path Forum on Women wishes to discuss what is today's already possible with regard to the equality of women in the church. At the, t- at the same time, one does not wish to lose... A- to lose out of sight the fundamental question, that is to say, the question of of ordained offices for women, according to Bode. In April 2019, this German bishop announced that the topic of the female diaconate will be part of the synodal discussion in Germany. We will not be able to avoid the question of women, he then added. And then... It is interesting to see that even though the Synodal Path, as organized by the German Bishops' Conference and the Central Committee of German Catholics, insists that it is meant to be participatory, one of the leading figures of this process had already prominent and announced one of its topics nearly a year before the beginning of that very process. Bode is also a member of the small committee which organizes the Synodal Path next to him. Cardinal Reinhard Marx, Professor Thomas Sternberg, the head the, the head of the committee, and his representatives are in the group. Many commentators in Germany criticize this way of steering the current Synodal Path that is to take place for the next two years. As a matter of fact, an internet survey among some 5,000 German Catholics and 
in preparation for the synodal discussion has shown that the question of the so-called female ordination was a very little was very little mentioned by the participants. Bishop Bode also uh, goes on as to suggest that that he that um, women been more included in the cover-up of clerical sex abuse would have taken another course. He's saying that, of course, they would have done something different. I doubt it. He refers here to discussions made by uh, by fellow uh, men indicating that the cover-up took place mainly because the responsible persons were male. The male, the same idea also found in the preparatory document of the discussion forum on women as headed by Bones and Settler. The document asked, why would the situation worldwide concerning clerical sex abuse be different had women more leadership responsibility in the Roman clerical church, Catholic church? In order not to lose women as members of the church, the text states that also the question of the sacrament ordination of women has to be asked. Furthermore, the document asked with regard to the possibility of female sacramental ordination, is there at all a possibility to gain with human power of knowledge or certainty about the will of God in this matter, thus questioning the binding nature of the doctrinal teaching of the church in this field? The author explicitly questions that the binding character of the papal document, Ordinotio Sacramento, which Pope St. John Paul II, in a different matter, ruled out in 1994 the priestly ordination of women. The preparatory document, as prepared under the leadership of Bishop Bode, even questions the very nature of the dogma, claiming that human insight and positions are always fallible. Each theological insight of men, thereby, are always marked by fallibility. You see, now he's going against the Church's teaching. Pope John Paul made it quite clear that Jesus himself, if he wanted to, he would have done it. He would have made women priests, but he did not. The responsibility of the priesthood was to correct the fall of Adam. Adam was the high priest in creation that God set up. Adam was responsible for what happened in the Garden of Eden. And so therefore, Adam on his part was the priest and he lost that priesthood. Therefore, God himself was was restoring the priesthood. And this is why you had men making the sacrifices. Mary, on her part, fulfilled the prophecy, which was in the Garden of Eden, that God, that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And therefore, she fulfilled it as the new Eve. In this, in this case, where the Eve came out of Adam in the Garden of Eden, the new Adam came out of the new Eve, which was the Virgin Mary. And therefore, that w- it was fulfilled. Mary fixed what Eve did. Adam fixed, you know, Christ fixed what Adam did on the cross, offered himself for the church. <clears throat> Excuse me. And this is why it had to happen. Unfortunately, these guys are looking at it all about gender rights. They're not looking at it from the perspective of theology. So this Bishop Bode is really pushing very, very hard. He's really going way out there, right to the edge. And I really want to know what Pope Francis is going to do about it. And the fact that this is silence uh, is really troublesome. Um, Let's go on from here now. We ended the last paragraph where he's questioning John Paul's decision 
which was ruled made a rule made in 1994, where that John Paul made it quite clear, and Benedict was the was the uh, the head of the um, the the office, uh, the magisterial office, I believe, at the time, and a decision was made that women cannot become priests. Um, and he's saying that he's calling it fallibility that the Pope can be wrong. This was a teaching decision. This was, uh, this was infallible. And because he was only following what the footsteps of Christ said. Now let's go on to the next article. In his February 5th interview, Bishop Bode also repeated his desire for married priests who would continue to have their normal profession and work as priests on the weekends and as a side job, the usual form of priesthood could could co- coexist with the new ones, he claimed. I am of the opinion that there can be both forms. Not only is Bishop Bode in favor of female deacons and married priests, he's also known for his support of the um, blessings of homosexual couples, a topic which is also part of the agenda of the synodal path. In the uh, January 8, uh, 2018, Bode proposed that the Catholic Church discusses the possibility of such liturgical blessings. In 2019, he wrote a foreword to a book with the same topic. Already, um, already in 2018, Cardinal Reinhard Marx had announced that the German Bishops' Conference had established a commission in order to reflect upon such possible blessings. Also in 2019, Bishop Bode said about the question as to whether he could picture a woman leading a Eucharistic celebration, my imagination imagination would allow it. In light of these forums' ideas of Bishop Bode, it might be worth quoting here a prominent Protestant journalist and manager from the Germany, Michael J. uh, Inacker. In response to the German Senate path, Inacker commented on Twitter, Strange why Catholics imitate many of the mistakes of us Protestants with passion. What was once a diversity in the in the evangelical church is now reduced to simplicity. Nothing with a Christian uh, nothing with a Christian profile. Cardinal hashtag woke is right when he warns against Protestants Protestantizing the Catholicism. Ha! Huh. That's very interesting. So, this is where we're heading. Meanwhile, halfway across the world, we have the coronavirus. And here in the United States, we have Catholic bishops and much major cover-up on sexual abuse scandal. And now, in San Diego, we have... Uh, bishop, uh, a bishop, uh, my goodness, his name, hold on, McElroy, who said that conservative Catholics are a cancer in the church, is trying to tell Catholics how to vote because he wants to stop Donald Trump from becoming president. The bishops, remember, under Obama, used to get something like 95 98 million dollars for their so-called uh social um i guess you can say social services that they provided for immigrants 
and other groups. And you can bet some of that money was very important to them in other financial matters, personal matters. And now you also have Jeffrey Sachs, who who actually attacks the uh, the American government, embarrassed and ashamed of the American government. Meanwhile, sitting next to him, uh, you have Sa uh, Bishop Sanchez uh, Sarando, I think his name was, gleefully laughing at hearing Jeffrey Sachs attack Donald Trump. This is really, really very interesting what's happening. You see what's going on. Now that the so-called uh, impeachment trials ended and Donald Trump gave a successful um, State of the Union address, we have here uh, a lot going on, a lot that's very, very... Um, it's very strange. It's very, it's very strange seeing both what's going on inside the church and outside the church, and where this where this could be heading. It's going to be an interesting year. Now, will Pope Francis come out with his decision um, this week? I have a funny feeling we might see some kind of, uh, I think, a strange a strange turn of events, because I really believe the German bishops might be pushing too hard, too far. And I think behind closed doors, I think we there's a lot of uh, chaos going on and a lot of disagreements. So um, it's it's uh, it's very interesting to see what's going to happen. Now we're heading towards Lent. Uh, the last Wednesday of this month is Ash Wednesday, and uh, I'm going to try to um, wrap up this little series on the end times. Uh, before then, um, I want to do a, uh, a Lenten reflection for the uh, informed Catholic. Um, kind of like, um, just it, it would help, I think, to get away from all the controversy a little bit. Although I think it would be impossible because there's going to be a lot coming our way. So just remember that Christ, the incarnate word, walked amongst us. And remember that when Pilate presented him before the people, the famous line, Ecce homo, behold a man. Christ was a man. And he, he was not only human, he, was, he took on a personality. He became a person. And, you know, everything has its, has its place in the world. And this whole obsession with gender, it's all... It's all basically to uh, by the devil. This all this stuff is all satanic. This argument between men and women, what men can do, what women can do, is all nonsense. It's all nonsense. I think many women like being women, and many men like being men. And uh, I don't think there's any any need to argue with that. Uh, this is all basically politics. This is all for selfishness. And I have a funny feeling there's a lot of financial gain going on here for the Germans as well. So I'm going to end it here. Um, so hopefully I'll be able to do another one this week. So God bless. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.